Okay, well, welcome in Three Guys Talking Ball Podcast. We have reached episode 38, the George Rogers South Carolina edition. We have college football this week. It's, Let's fucking go. Yeah, it is September 1, 2022. Nebraska is playing in a different country, but they were still the same Nebraska. We've got Michigan gets to play Colorado State. The Gophers kick off. Our, our team's weekend by playing New Mexico State on Thursday. Fighting Jerry Kills. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and Grant gets to sweat out a game against the Dakota team, probably. So I don't, I don't we'll, like that. We'll circle back a little bit and we'll start with the one week one game that we really had our eyes glued to. The only one we really cared about outside of Grant's peak interest in his closet UConn football fandom. But Nebraska. Lost to Northwestern, 31-28. They were up 28-17. Scott Frost decided to make things about himself, try to get credit, and think he was the smartest guy in the room, go for an onside kick after they just went up 11 for the second time, flip momentum, end up losing 31-28. And they play the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, who has a chance to end Scott Frost's tenure in Lincoln if he were if they were to pull off this upset. And my opinion is if if they lose, Scott Frost shouldn't even be allowed to address the team. He should be fired as he's walking into the locker room. Actually, he should be fired when he's going to shake hands with Bubba Schweiger. No, they, this is what they should do. They should get a tarmac somehow in Memorial Stadium and then reenact the Lane Kiffin when he got fired at USC on the tarmac, take his car, take his state identification, anything and everything right there, just strip him, almost make him have to go home and just, and just his draws on there. And he used to be Nebraska's favorite son. Now he's just a homeless man walking around the streets in Lincoln. Florida man in Nebraska. Florida man in Nebraska on, <laughs> on, on September 3rd. Wouldn't you just love to see it? Well, I mean, Grant, we're not ones to tour our horn, thankfully, but we, we did kind of say that Scott Frost wouldn't be the home run grand slam hire that everybody else said he, or, said he you was going to be. Or like what Ethan gives a call, and let's give credit where credit is due, Scott Fraud. Mm-hmm. Because he is a fraud. He is. He's, And then, and then makes these changes, but he's, it, the, he's still the head coach. The same team that when crunch time comes around, they fold like a bunch of little run between run with their tail between their legs like a bunch of little girls, and it's proven in every game. Like what? What make your defense was playing fairly well? Make Northwestern go the whole field. It's not like they're playing Ohio State or a Michigan or any top ten team in the country. It's Northwestern. Who can barely move the ball? Who was three and nine last year? If they, they made go, his if, look like a Heisman candidate. If they mm-hmm. go, if they go the whole way, who cares? They take probably seven, seven or eight minutes off, and they're still down by a score. And there's no time for them to get that second touchdown. Yep. The defense looked the same. The run game, outside of the one run, they ran for basically fifty yards. Speaking of that, did you guys see what? 
Northwestern's offensive line coach tweeted on the way yes. home. How fantastic was that? Because you know, I didn't really, during my workout tonight, so I feel like I need to go back just to go work out harder and puke. Well, exactly, because according to the Scott Frost in Nebraska way, if you're not throwing up 15 or 20 times um, through a workout, basically a peasant. You're not you're not doing it right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing anything good. And to think Northwestern only threw up four times and they still got the win. What what an absolute yeah. shame. Well, and Northwestern was led by a former by a Minnesota native and Evan Hull. Dude, he's turned into a beast. He's he's a, good. He's a big dude. He's freaking jacked. Can squat what this is like five hundred times five or yeah five hundred times five or something like that just like ridiculous. That's like a seven hundred one rep. That's insane. <laughs> it was just stupid the numbers they threw out. <laughs> that's a crazy one rep max if you can if you're putting up five hundred by five. That's nuts. Yeah, it was something like that. It was just a stupid number. But there, <clears throat> there was all this talking Lincoln about all the change. <clears throat> Some coleslaw stuck in my throat, but we're all right. Coleslaw's trash. Ooh, not a good take, Ethan. It's a good take. It's the best not take. A good, that's, that's you a can move take. me all you want. You know I'm right. You I'm clearly never – you know, here's the problem. You've had coleslaw in the north. You, you go to Tennessee and North Carolina in the south there, that's when they make coleslaw right. So you just – you haven't had the proper coleslaw. Exactly. That's, no, 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 no. You, you got to get down to North Carolina – and and have some it's, down there. It's, it's just wonderful. as bad as Scott Frost. Let's call a spade a spade. Whoa, no. hey, hey, whoa, that, that is yeah. that is disrespectful yeah, to coleslaw. That is just disgusting. Unbelievable here. But it's all the changes. They hire a special teams coordinator and his first press conference, he throws his offensive coordinator under the bus, telling him they need to be more so, more sophisticated. They put up twenty eight points. More they, creative. Casey Thompson looks like he's He's a player. Their O-line is still awful. They're awful. still horrible in the trenches. And that's mm-hmm. what's going to be the downfall. Is And I don't think they'll fire him yet because he he's owed like $15 million. But once October 1st hits, that buyout goes down to 5 or $4, four million. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if Nebraska's got an interim coach. Well, what? And a mid-year drop like that? That's like yeah. unheard of. Scott Frost should fire his agent immediately. Yikes. That's awful. Well, and, but to your point, if they – before they play Oklahoma, if they lose to either North Dakota or Georgia Southern, and then when they lose to Oklahoma and they go one and three, as soon as they lose that first Big Ten game in October to a team like Illinois or Purdue, he's gone. Because we've talked about it before. Their last four games are hellacious against four teams that he's looking across the sideline and he's calling their head coach daddy. He, he, he ain't beating the Gophers. He ain't beating Iowa. He ain't beating Michigan and he ain't beating Wisconsin. No, it's just, it's just, it's just not happening. And then I also just for me real quick, the, the lack of accountability that Scott Frost has, like you said, Dylan, his offense puts up 28 points. Casey Thompson throws at 355 yards. Our coaching staff is finding out in this league we need to be more creative. And it's so funny. It's complete opposite. When what? he came into the league, he was saying, exactly. oh, the defenses are going to change for our offense. It's like, shut up. Like, good yeah, God. It's, it's like, well, why would, you, why would you do that? Why do you have this? Why are you kicking this, this onside kick? Just the head-scratching decisions he makes 
to lose all these one possession games. Like when Tennessee fired Butch Jones a couple of years ago, you lose one or two games by less than three points. Eh, maybe you just have bad luck. But once you get six, seven, eight, nine games in a row, then that's on coaching. That's on you for just not knowing how to manage a game and not leading these young men. And they just, they don't know how to finish games and with, with Scott Frost. And, you know, that, that goes on him. And then because he's not hiring the right people in the strength room and he's not getting the point across to his assistants. Well, it's actually Mike Riley's fault because they it, it was what he inherited, even though it's his sixth, fifth year on the job. Fifth well, and when Scott Frost goes to UCF and inherits a team with all this talent in the world after they won, you know, 13 games in 2013, George O'Leary, what, did he just get caught in a lie? And they fired him. But when he inherits that team and goes 13-0, and he can put up a fake national title. Um you know, Banner in, in Orlando at Central Florida, but when he inherits a bad team five years later, when this is his roster, it's still somehow Mike Riley's fault. Like, get out of here with that double standard nonsense. Well, I'm and it, it, it's the same thing. It, nothing, since he's taken over at Nebraska, it's always been somebody else's fault. It's never yeah. been Scott Frost's fault. Yeah. And then the most, the most alarming thing, and I think it got lost in the shuffle because he was Nebraska's favorite son. He was the greatest thing since Nick Saban to grace a sideline was – how do you not hire a special teams coordinator in your years that you've been the head coach? Like this is division one football. This is not NAIA football, no disrespect to those teams, but you have one of the biggest budgets in college football. You're one of the top 10 most storied programs in college football. Top five. Yeah. And you don't hire a head, a special teams coordinator. And then I, I, at, I know he was part of Oregon's national title runs as the offensive coordinator, but I don't think he called plays because I'm pretty sure it was Mark Hilfrich. Or, or was it Chip Kelly? Did Chip Kelly call his own – or in the 14th season? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was Helfrich. That was Helfrich's offense. Um, Helfrich was – you know, he was one of the first guys. He got this just like Chip Kelly where I was the offensive coordinator head coach. I'm calling my own plays. I need someone to run a meeting during the week with my offense and that's what scott did but no that was helfrick all the way that's what i thought and mm-hmm. nebraska we'll see what happens but it's early we'll see they always say the biggest improvement is from game one to game two and we'll switch over to scott frost dad who kicks off our team's college seasons this week on thursday against new mexico state the gophers Take, uh, we'll open up Williams. Is it Williams Field? Williams Stadium? No, Williams Huntington, Bank Stadium? Huntington Bank Stadium. Huntington Bank. Stadium. Okay. Huntington so, I couldn't remember the name of it. It's right next to He said he couldn't come to TCF. He can right. coach in Huntington. Oh, that's what it is. We figured, we figured it out. Easy. Okay. We figured it out. They just, they just had to have some name rights and switch some money. Yeah. Up. Yeah. And, and then Jill can coach. Kill, excuse me. Now, we're, he's put... Now, not to get us sideways here, but he's playing New Mexico State, right? Yep. At, if, at if 7 p.m. Was that the team where Jerry had his first incident against the Gophers on the sideline against in no. 2011? No, it was against USC. Was it? it was at USC at the Coliseum. I, I well, Okay. Sorry, the first one at home. I, I okay. think it was New Mexico State. That could be. No but they, they play at 7, 
7 Mountain Time on Big Ten Network on Thursday. And Ethan, how are we how are we feeling about the Gophers this year? Um, well, we'll get to that later. I can't spill the beans yet, but uh, confident, I think, comes to mind. So I'm obviously not too concerned about uh, the New Mexico State game. They have, like, I think it's like 30-some transfers or some shit like that. Just like an absolutely insane number. But uh, that they're coming, they've just played Saturday. They're coming off five, five days of rest, flying across the country to come here. Like Jerry can do some of the biggest hype speech ever. It's not going to make a difference. But uh, I'm looking forward to the Colorado game. I think that'll be a much better test because Western Illinois, one of the worst teams in the FCS, comes in second week. So uh, looking forward to them seeing Colorado. Yep. And Minnesota opens as a 36 and a half point favorite. New Mexico State, like we said, did play last week. They lost 23-12 to Nevada. So, short week for the short week for the Aggies. We'll see if they can give them a game. And then we'll move over to the Big Ten runner-ups. And the last time Iowa played a team from the Dakotas, they ended up losing on a last-second field goal to the Kings of the FCS and the King of the Dakotas. And that game kicks off at... 10 a.m. Mountain Time on FS1. There is no line for this game on ESPN, but Grant, are you nervous? Are you sweating? I can tell that sweatshirt, you're, it, it is black, but you, I can see there's a little bit of some sweat marks. You're, you, you've got to be a little bit nervous about the Jacks. Go big, go blue, go Jacks. Um, you know, it's one of those, one of those teams, just because you know the way Iowa plays. Um, it, it, it could be a little – it could be interesting. You sit back and you're just like, ooh, did, did we practice these five weeks before this season? Because, you know, the South Dakota, team, South Dakota State team, they're going to be pissed off. They want to come out and they want to surprise the world um, and say, hey, you know, look, look at us. We're sick of North Dakota State. We're going to go in and, and Kinnick and get a big win. And uh, who knows? A lot of these South Dakota State players maybe feel like they could have been recruited by a school like Iowa. Um, and they feel like they were shorted. And, and, and they're pissed off. And if I'm not mistaken, is uh, South Dakota State, their big gun quarter, is he coming back? Um, yeah. Be back. Yep. Yeah, he's right. back. Yeah. It, yep. Everyone so, keeps saying they lost their starter, but really their starter's back. Like, he's one that led to the yeah. national title. Like, he's the dude. Because, yeah, that was in the that weird fall season of, what, 2020, yeah. 2021 yeah. or something like that. So, yeah, you know, it, it's – I think in the first half, there will be some moments where you're sitting back like, ooh, yeah, this, this could be a game. You know, South Dakota State, it's here to play because, um, you know, classic Iowa, they're going to look like they didn't practice because they're going to take their time and they're going to try to do things right. Um, but I'm just – I think as we get into that third quarter, just the, uh, the depth on the Iowa defense is going to kind of prevail. And uh, South Dakota State, their offensive line is nothing like that North Dakota State offensive line was in 2016 where they, they just, you know, they looked like they should have been playing Penn State in the Big Ten title game that year. That's how dominant North Dakota State was. But, no, I, I, I think it's going to be a competitive game in the first half. I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa has a turnover, too, because South Dakota State is going to want to come out and jump on them and, and prove that, hey, we belong. And, you know, this is a message to North Dakota State, too, that, hey, we're coming for you this year. We're going to try to win this game. But, um you know, I think I will end up winning. I think I think the defense will have a turnover too in the second half, which is what their calling card is, and that'll be the difference. But uh, no, it'll, it'll be a close game, and it, I wouldn't be surprised whatever the spread is if you know maybe South Dakota State covers. We'll uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, 
I think it's going to be important for Iowa to get pressure on uh, Gronowski early. It's going to be mm-hmm. his first game back in over two years or, well, year and a half. Yeah. Try to test out his legs, see what he's able to do, and if they're able to get, get to him early, get, get heat on him, I think it could be South Dakota State could be in for a long day. Because And yet to your point, Dylan, that's always the tough part when you first come back from a torn ACL, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I think so. They never yep. said – yeah, it was a it was it was a hockey hockey injury report, a lower lower body injury. Okay, so you know what? Just to make it to have something here, we'll say it was a torn ACL and MCL. You know, it's unfortunately a common injury these days. That first season back in those first couple of games, especially when you're first seeing live ammunition, and if you have people falling on your knee, you don't know um, how you're going to react. And let's say let's say he's a right-handed quarterback, and if it was that left knee that's the knee he's going to stride with. And that's the one where people could fall into and he, he maybe get a little gun shy. So to your point, Dylan, you know, this Iowa front four, they're just going to have to try to create constant pressure and, um, you know, make him nervous. So he doesn't feel comfortable. And that's the big thing when you're playing a team at the FCS level, you don't want to give them confidence and let them hang around uh, in these games. You want to come out, you want to dominate and bury them early. So they essentially lose their will to live. You, you let them hang around a little bit. They get a turnover, too. They're feeling confident. Maybe they have a nice, you know, seven-play, 80-yard touchdown drive. And shoot, before you know it, they think you need to be there, and then you're thinking we should be dominating these guys right now, and you're not. And, you know, that's how upsets happen. So try to jump on them early, get a, get a turnover, too, nice touchdown drive, and uh, hopefully by the fourth quarter, you know, we're feeling comfortable. And uh, can start the year off one and zero, getting ready to play Iowa State week two. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he looks because he'll be almost seven eight months fully recovered from this thing. Yeah, and they I because they held him out of spring too because he wasn't fully yeah. healthy. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see in, and see his chemistry with receivers and because South in, Dakota State they like they like to run their QB. He's an athletic kid. See how comfortable he is handing off to the running backs those mesh points too. Well, and to your point, Dylan, you know, I don't, if I'm South Dakota State, um, I don't know how much I want my quarterback running against a really solid group, a really good group of linebackers that Iowa has with Jack Campbell um, and then, you know, Benson and um, for some, uh, Justin Jacobs. Thank you. Thank you, Ethan. You know, I don't know how much I want my quarterback running against them because I want to look into the long term future of this season. If I'm South Dakota State and I lose a game to Iowa, shoot, you know, I, I still get a chance to play North Dakota State once, probably twice. And, you know, the ultimate goal is to win a national championship. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. And we'll move over to the Big Ten sh- defending Big Ten champions, my Michigan Wolverines. They open up against Colorado State. And the last time uh, Michigan and Colorado State played, there's somebody on this podcast who guaranteed a Colorado State victory over Michigan and ending Michigan's season, but they didn't. They didn't even cover. They didn't even belong on the same court as Michigan did. And it's going to be very similar to the <laughs> to this game Saturday. Colorado State's not even going to belong on the same field as Michigan. Michigan, it was when I was writing notes for the show, it was 27 and a half point favorites. That line's jumped out to 30 and a half. They play at 10 10 a.m. Mountain Time on ABC. First game of the day, Saturday, get started off 
watching Michigan. Cade McNamara is going to be the starter. They announced on – we're recording this Monday, so they announced on Sunday. It was Sunday Saturday. Saturday that Saturday. Cade McNamara is going to start Mon- or Saturday against Colorado State. J.J. McCarthy is going to start game two against Hawaii. Hawaii. Yep. And he said both of them are going to play. And then I wouldn't be shocked if this plays out up until the Iowa game. Because just looking at Michigan's schedule, they've got Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, and then they open Big Ten play with Maryland. Should be 4-0. It won't matter who they're playing. Do they leave the state of Michigan until they play Iowa? Nope. Nope. And they they do have two new coordinators to replace. Uh, Josh Gaddis left for Miami. Uh, He's got replaced by Sharon Moore, who was on the staff last year, and Matt Weiss. Both were on the staff, and then Replacing Mike McDonald will be tough, but they got another John Harbaugh uh, disciple who worked with Mike McDonald at in Baltimore. And then last year he would work. I don't know exactly what he was at Vanderbilt, but that's where he came from. So I think the schemes and everything is pretty much going to stay the same. Got to replace two, two first round talents at the edge mm-hmm. edge position, but I think the way the schedule sets up, it's going to give guys a lot of time, playing time, a lot of some good experience early on, and we'll see what happens. But I, I'm really conf. I really like this Michigan team. I think the biggest thing is, I think this is a very player-led locker room, and they've got those the leaders on that team: the McNamara's, the Ronnie Bell's, the Mozzie Smiths. They they hold everybody accountable. And that's so huge is you hear coaches talk about it all the time. The best teams are player-led locker rooms where the coaches really don't have to say anything where you go where coaches love to see it, where you go into halftime and you see guys, those players on the drawing things up on the whiteboard, saying things. And I like Michigan. I like Michigan is going to get out of here. Hopefully can get out of there clean, no injuries. Oh, no, I'm just going to Appalachian State. Jeez, you're really getting the boo this episode. What, what can we say? He's a big, he's a big, he's a big Rams guy. Big fighting Rams yeah. guy. Big fighting Rams. Well, that, that's they're, fine because it, it really worked out for him the last time. That's all right. Well, and but let, let's be honest here. The, what, what Ethan said in March, it doesn't matter now. Now, now it's now, now now it's the big time. Um, let's be honest, Michigan. They should have beaten Colorado State last time. They did. They're going to beat them. They're going to beat them again this time. Uh, and he's he's just trying to get underneath their skin. And, uh, and 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 he's a professional at it. And and I think he's doing a good job. So well 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 done, sir. I like poking the bear. He can get under my skin. I'll always get the last laugh though. So we'll move over. We'll go to our you have to look our in predictions the for the year. More predictions for the year we'll start with the acc fending champions pit and they've got to replace if their offensive coordinator who is now working under scott frost god rest is god pray for that man but they uh they did sign usc transfer keaton slovis they lost blitnikoff award winner jordan addison to usc so they've got a lot of Production to replace. We'll see how that goes. Clemson was very down last year. Miami 
looks to be improved under Mario Cristobal. We'll see if that comes to fruition. UNC is probably going to try to be be much improved from a disappointing season last year. Florida State, they took care of Duquesne like they should have. And Mike Norvell is going to do his best to keep Deion Sanders off that sideline. But for me, I think I think the story is going to be Clemson returning to the top of the ACC. DJ Uyunglele had a very disappointing year last year. I think he ended up getting benched at one point. But sounds like he's been very had a really good offseason. He's trimmed down some. He was a little bit of a thick boy last year, but it sounds like he's trimmed down and is taking this a little bit more serious, not uh, focusing, has more focus on football rather than NIL money. So I like Clemson to come out of the Atlantic, and I think the Coastal Divisions kind of is a bit of a toss-up, but I like Miami because I think Mario Cristobal, signing him, hiring him as your head coach, he's instantly the best coach in that division. And I think they have enough talent because of the way Miami's going to play. They're going to play complimentary football. They're going to run the ball. They're going to keep the defense off the field. And I think that's going to be enough for Miami to get into the ACC championship game. But in the end, I think Clemson's going to end up having a little bit, having too much talent for this year. And they're going to come back, come back crowned as ACC champions. I have one of the same teams as you, um, but I actually have NC State coming out over Clemson. That's a good football. They are a good. They're a good football team. Their games in Clemson this year, but I'm going. I'm going with the Wolfpack. I don't know. I just feel there's something different about them. There's a good vibe. It's the same thing with Miami. Like they have some serious mojo down there right now. I mean, I don't think a lot of the national analysts are talking about them, but just their recruiting is going through the roof right now. And Cristobal coming home. Well, makes and, a massive difference. And Ethan, to your point, Devin Leary uh, is probably the best quarterback in the ACC playing mm-hmm. for North Carolina State. Yeah. Like, they have some serious sound. They return a shit ton. Mm-hmm. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's all, like, 20-whatever starters it is, but it's it's high, high teens is what they bring back. I, it's at least 16 or 17 starters. I, I thought it was, like, 17. So, they bring yeah. a ton. I have NC State beating Miami. So, mm-hmm. That's what I got. Um, and then we'll so, save our playoff pred- predictions for after the our Power Five yeah, conference winners. So uh, for me here, guys, with the Atlantic, I, I'm I'm with Dylan, um, but again, I'm with Ethan. North Carolina State, that's a good football team, and they do have the better quarterback. But I think for me, DJ is going to have to take this year seriously because he's got is it Kate Kate. Um, the true freshman quarterback, you know, the number one quarterback in this yep. class here. He's got, he's coming and he's going to play some this year. I've heard Clemson's offensive coordinator say that we're going to get Kate on the field. And if DJ doesn't pull his head out of his ass, this could be very much like 2018 when Trevor Lawrence takes over for Kelly Bryant uh, as the true yeah. freshman, you know, Dabo, he needs a spark on offense and Cade's going to do that. And I, and I think that Clemson will figure it out this year. It's a lot. They, you lose Brenton Venables, you lose Tony Elliott, Tony Elliott, you know, Brenton Venables now the head coach at Oklahoma, Tony, Tony Elliott, head coach at Virginia, two new coordinators on your staff. But I think that young talent is going to prevail. And we say, oh, Clemson was down last year. Well, with a bullet victory, they still went 10 and three. They lost to Pittsburgh at home. They lost in overtime in Raleigh to North Carolina state. 
And I think this year having that game in Clemson and then having them going through those growing pains last year, uh, this young Tigers team with plenty of talent is going to figure it out and they're going to win the, uh, the coastal or the Atlantic, excuse me. And on the coastal, uh, I'm, I'm going different than you guys. Uh, I'm going to go with North, I'm going to go with North Carolina. I'm going to go with the Tar Heels. Homer. I think just no, it's not that. It's, I'm going to be on the can't stand Miami. Um, can't stand Miami, and, and I, I think Drake May is going to be a nice quarterback for them. And they have a lot like this Clemson team in Miami. They have a lot of good young talent along the defensive side of the ball. They just need to learn and grow as the year goes on. And I, I think they're going to be able to do that, and they're just going to be able to score a little more points than what Miami's going to. Um, but it won't matter for the for the Tar Heels because they're going to lose to Clemson in the ACC title game. Yeah, and and a sleeper team, I would say, that could uh, possibly challenge either Clemson or NC State in the Atlantic. It would would have been Wake Forest, but with Sam Hartman out taking having to take a leave of absence because of a I believe a heart condition, okay. that could be something potentially. They could be a team coming off a really good year returning. Well, because they one they, of the well, better they, quarterbacks in the ACC as well. Wake Forest won their division last year. Yep. You know they won. They won the Atlantic. They were ten and two when they beat Clemson. Well, they lost to Clemson, but beat them in the standings, and then they beat North Carolina State. You know, last year too. Um, so, but I think of all the Power Five conferences, guys, the ACC is the most wide open. I think you can make an argument for Clemson to win it. You can make an argument for Miami. Um, you know, for North Carolina, a North North Carolina State, it's who knows in the ACC this year. So that'll be a fun conference to watch and see how this comes down come November. Yeah, and uh, well, because Virginia Tech's breaking in a new coach. Virginia's Duke, got Duke's got a second year coach, I believe, because Cutcliffe has been gone for a couple of years. Mike mm-hmm. Norvell is he's entering year three, I believe year three or four. So there's there's a lot of new coaches, a lot of new faces there, and I think I think with Dab going back to my pick is I think with, just because Dabo just has so much more experience, I think that's going to end up winning winning out both. Well, I guess you could say both Clemson and Miami both have coached in a lot of big games, and I think that big game experience is going to help them pay off and get them back to Charlotte. I just wish Cristobal, and this goes back to his Oregon time, could have an offensive coordinator and staff for more than a year. I feel like every single year he's breaking in a new offense and that almost kind of slows him down. So we'll see if Gaddis can stay past this year, maybe get some consistency for this hurricane team. Yeah. Well, and, and Gaddis was getting head coaching interviews last year as well. So mm. we'll see if he has another good year. Cause they've got a really good quarterback as well. And is see it, it van, is it van van yep. something? Right? Van, van Dyke. Yep. 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 That's right. And we'll see it. Cause if he has, if, if Miami's offense is able to be, be come come back and play really well, I think Gattis, there's a good chance Gaddis is getting a head coaching job somewhere. True. And we'll move down to the Big Ten. And Michigan, like I said, is return is the defending Big Ten champions, uh, coming off a playoff appearance. And I know this ain't the most popular pick, but. I think Michigan repeats as Big Ten East champions. And coming out of the West, I think they're going to play 
the Minnesota Golden Gophers. P.J. Fleck makes his first appearance in Indy, and I, it, it, I think this is a toss-up between three teams in the West is Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. And I got to Minnesota is because I think of the three teams, I think Tanner Morgan, he's going into his fourth year as a starter. I think fifth. Fifth, or fifth, yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. He's been there forever. I, I trust him more than more than I trust Graham Mertz and whoever Iowa is going to have at quarterback. And I think winning it, I think Michigan repeats. I like I like Michigan. I like this team. I think they are they are set up to beat Ohio State. I know Ohio State's going to be improved. They have a new defensive coordinator under Jim Knowles. We'll see if it pays off. But I like the direction of this Michigan team. And I also just can't can't pick Ohio State to win anything because I just, just get a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I don't blame you. I know how much that meant to you last year when they won, obviously, so you don't want to go back. But uh, I'm going with Ohio State here. I just think the trio of Stroud, Henderson, and Njigma Smith, uh, Njigma Smith is just stupid. Like, Marvin, 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 what? Marvin Harrison Jr. and what he did in that Rose Bowl game this year. Yeah, it's like they just produce these guys. It's unbelievable. Easily the deepest wide receiver core in the country. And honest to God, I don't even know what they have after those two guys, but I'm sure they're pretty freaking good. They um, also have one receiver from Texas in the 2020 class who hasn't played yet. Yeah, it's just – yeah, it's so stupid. Like, it's just absolutely dumb. But uh, bring in the new D.C. from Oklahoma State. He'll get that defense right. They were – just Michigan exposed them so bad last year. But uh, but uh, even Utah and the Rose Bowl, literally same thing. But, uh, no, I think the D.C. will get them back to there. And I, I just feel like Michigan lost so much on the D. Uh, I mean, Ajabo, Hutchinson, Hill – like, where, where's the pass rush is going to come from is my biggest question. Obviously, I don't, I'm not a genius on Michigan, but that production is – that's a lot to, to, to reproduce. Uh, and then for the West, uh, I'm with Grass. I got Minnesota. And, I mean, same thing, best QB. So, uh, there's a stat, expected points added. So, basically, how much your best player adds to your points adds to their team. Last year, Morgan was 58. He added plus 30 points. Petrus and – Mertz both combined were, or one was 121 out of 130, one was 122nd. Uh, Mertz negative 29, Petrus negative 32. Like, even if they jump up a little bit, it's not, I feel like it's not going to be enough. That Minnesota has, I feel like, the least question marks, glaring weaknesses. You got KC returning, Kirk Sriracha, Sriracha, I guess, see, you see what I did there? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, they got him returning, and then the rise of Rossi, our D coordinator. He had a hell of a season last year. I think he's going to be even better this year. I think this defense is just absolutely freaking loaded. And Minnesota's got a new offensive coordinator. Is there, are there some different things we should expect under, under well, him? Just, go back to 2019. That's who he was with Oh, Tyler. it was? Okay. Yeah, it's that guy. He's okay. back. KC. Where did he go? KC's back. He went to Penn State, put up, like, pretty good stats for a COVID year without a spring – any fall camp or anything. And then uh, I guess that wasn't good enough. So Franklin kicked him to the curb. And then he was a analyst at West Virginia last year. Okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, just another thing, I think it's a two horse race in the West. I don't think Wisconsin is going to be that good. Honestly, lose eight guys. They only returned eight total starters or something like that. And maybe not even that high. Uh, Lose their top three pass catchers, four new starting linemen. It's just like, it's just not Wisconsin at all. 
totally different than what we're used to. And also, you know, Ethan, to piggyback on your point, these last two years, you know, you guys know me, I'm not going to get caught up in these recruiting rankings, but Wisconsin is not bringing in the talent like they had in years past. No, no. Uh, and the ones to- they have brought in have been, they, they've underperformed. Look, look at they Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz was a five-star quarterback. He's and he looks like a two-star. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. better under Jack Cohn. Yeah, and that's why, they, and he got pushed out for Graham Mort because of they, mm-hmm. they, they thought there was potential. Easily, easily, and then he went out to Notre Dame last year and won ten games, right? Yeah. Or did they, yep. Yeah. No, they were eleven and one last year. Yeah, they well, looked like idiots. They, they lost their bowl game to Oklahoma State, but in the regular season, they were eleven and one with Jack Cohn as quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big oops by Wisconsin there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, for me, boys. Uh, I'm with Ethan here uh, on the Big Ten East. I just – I think Ohio State they – they have an embarrassment of riches. And, you know, Dylan, it's, it's nothing against this Michigan team. Michigan's the second-best team in the Big Ten. Let, let, let's, let's not kid ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just – unfortunately, they're in the same division as Ohio State, so they only get their one shot at them. And I think with Ohio State, we get, you know, their defense was young last year, and they, they were still pups. Uh, I think they walked in with that mentality of, hey, we're at Ohio State. I don't need to work. And, you know, Michigan exposed them. And also Oregon exposed them week two last year. And, you know, let's not forget the Gophers. The Gophers were running the ball extremely well on Ohio State last year before Mo tore his Achilles. So they need to – they needed a year to mature. And I think they needed a, a new coach to kind of come in and tell them, Hey, you guys, you got to work on defense. And I, I think that's going to be the edge. And then also um, CJ was great last year and he's just going to be better this year. I, I think he, I think I personally think he's the best quarterback in college football, nothing against Bryce young, but I just really like this Ohio state yeah, team. And I, think, and I think they're going to be pissed off um, for what happened to him last year. And they should be because Michigan beat that ass. And it was, it was fun to see as a football guy. You want to see you want to see games won like that in the snow. It's cold, and Michigan whooped them. So I just I think and then again, Ethan and I talked about this the other day. The talent that Michigan lost in the defensive end, I I think it's hard to recover in one year from that. 2023, 2024 could be a whole different story, but I think this year I'm going to roll with um, I'm going to Ohio State out of the East and um, for the West. Call me biased. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to roll with Iowa. Um, Ethan and I, we, we've been saying this since April. It's a, it's a two-team race. Iowa, Minnesota, you, you, can, you can go back and forth on that. The one the part that does suck for Iowa this year is their uh, opponents in the East. You play Michigan and Ohio State. You know, and then you also, you also got to play Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Minnesota. So that's tough. You know, it's not going to be easy. But um, I, I like the pieces that this defense brings that this Iowa defense bring back the guys who played a lot last year. And then they finally have some young players at the skill position where I think if they can get their ball, the ball in their hands, they can make some plays, you know, Sam Laporta, tight end, uh, Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce, Sam Laporta, uh, Gavin Williams had a nice bowl game at the running back position last year against Kentucky. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a good team. And uh, let's be honest, the big 10 West is going to come down on November 19th. At Huntington, it's going to be cold. It's going to be Iowa, Minnesota, and, that, and that's how the Big Ten should be. It should come down to these cold games outside, and I'll roll with Iowa to have the opportunity to lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. But that that could be a potentially yeah, big noon kickoff game. 
Yeah, huh? Minnesota's not going to beat Ohio State. I didn't say that, but I figured it was just everyone knew. Yeah, and then, you know, to your point, you know, with Minnesota's other tough crossover game, it's at Michigan State. And I'm not as high at Michigan State as I am Michigan. No. Um, and in those crossover games, if you can at least get one of them against those those horses, mm-hmm. that's that might be the difference in winning this division this year. I mean, I don't think even Penn State's going to be that good, but you're, you're playing the whiteout. Like, they didn't want to do it for the Ohio State game, which I get. So, I yeah, mean, no matter what, even if they get shit stopped by Ohio State, that place is going to be electric just for that moment. So, yeah. that's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, and the I, I don't understand the hype around Penn State because they weren't a good team last year, and they returned virtually the same team. Sean well, Clifford yeah. is not a good quarterback. He's the most overrated quarterback in the league. It's not even close. And what I don't understand is this. Penn State, they're recruiting, you know, supposedly some of the best classes in America. Well, one, where's your NFL talent? And two, they're recruiting these players. They don't have a backup quarterback. Clifford went out last year, and their backup quarterback was worse than Spencer Petras. Well, I just took you to do this today. Wisconsin doesn't either. Their guy just blew his They don't have a backup quarterback either. So, I mean, it's it's just embarrassing, some of this quarterback situation here in the Big Ten. Um, But especially at a place like Penn State, how do you not have a quality backup? Um, I mean, this guy looked this guy looked like he was lost. I mean, shit, Iowa decided to take three kneels, three knees, and punt because they knew this guy couldn't drive the ball 90 yards instead of trying to run it out. They pretty much just said, eh, we're gonna we're gonna take a couple knees and give this back to your quarterback who can't play. And for a coach like James Franklin who can recruit the way he can in Penn State being there in the Northeast, that's just embarrassing to not have a backup quarterback. And your point, Ethan and Dylan, Sean Clifford's awful. He's terrible. He he is not a he is not a starter. He is done with football after this year, and he only came back because of the COVID year. He knows he has no future outside of football after this. Ever so. since that loss at TCF to the Gophers, he's been shit. You're right. Yeah, because they were what seven zero eight zero going into that game. Yeah, there's yeah. yeah they were both eight zero. Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and do you that, know who the backup was behind Sean Clifford two years ago? No. Was it Will Levis? No. It was Will Levis. Yeah. He's going to be a first-round pick this year. Yeah, he could be the third quarterback taken. Yep. Yeah. And they let him walk. Yep. Jeez. And – He's been running that place into the ground. Yeah. And we'll move down to the Big 12 where they don't have divisions, but they just take the top two teams. Everybody plays each other. They battle it out. Whoever the top two, they go to Dallas and have at least one champion crown there. <laughs> nice and well, well well done sir a little pot shot at your own team i love it yep <laughs> and this is a very wide open because texas looks to be improved under second year coach steve sarkeesian Are Oklahoma, they i i don't i don't you you're the texas fan grant so i don't know is texas yeah, bad mike's waiting for your opinion here yeah we yeah, I, Texas, I don't know, what, we, like Mike said, we don't know what they're back from, but apparently they're back. But Baylor is the defending Big Big 12 champions. And then Oklahoma, they lost their coach, quarterback, a bunch of transfers. But it looked like Brett Venables was able to finish the recruiting year strong. He was able to get Dylan Gabriel, a Central Florida transfer, to transfer in. He's going to be the starter. Oklahoma State had the big best defense in the big 12 last year but they lost their defensive coordinator mike gundy is back anytime 
he's on the sideline. He's one of those coaches that you know you've got to be at your best because he can be. They have that talent in Stillwater to show up every week and get a win. Kansas State, I think, could be a dark horse. They did lose a couple of pieces, but Chris Kleiman has proved, and possibly a Scott Frost replacement. I've seen. Hey. Deuce Vaughn, low-key Heisman candidate yep. this year. Yep, Deuce, Deuce Vaughn, Vaughn is a stud. Yeah. They got former Nebraska quarterback Adrian Martinez. They have a new OC in Colin Klein, the quarterback for Kansas State back in well, the, the – quarterback in Kansas State history. Probably. He, he was a fun player to watch. He, he was. And for me, I have – Oklahoma and Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. I'm not much of a Big 12 rube here, but I think Brett Venables is going to re- improve that defense. I think they're going to have a more focused attention on running the ball, you know, taking, keeping the defense off the field, playing good complementary football, similar to what Baylor does. Ba- Baylor returns a lot of, a lot of starters from last year. And in the end, I think Oklahoma, their talent is going to, they might lose, to Baylor in the regular season, but I think they end up beating Baylor in Dallas to win the Big 12 championship. I think this is going to be – it's going to be a conference where the teams are just going to beat each other up. Yeah, I have I have Baylor in the championship too. Um, I don't – I just don't trust Oklahoma enough yet. I mean, I, I know Venables is eventually going to make that defense better. Is he going to do it in a year or so? I, I don't see that. But uh, I'm just going with the best two defenses in, in, in the conference, and that's Baylor and Oklahoma State. It's been like that for a while. But uh, I like what Baylor brings back. Quarterback, at least four offensive linemen, their first team all, uh, Big 12 D-tackle, a couple guys in the secondary, and then Dylan Doyle, former I- Iowa Hawkeyes, the middle linebacker for coming back. So, yeah, so, I mean, they, they, they bring a lot back. I'm going with the Bears. I mean, let's go back to back. Their quarterback threw, what, 180 yards, three touchdowns in the championship versus Oklahoma State last year? He's going to be pretty damn good. Uh, You know, Ethan, great minds think alike. Uh, I got got a rematch of last year's title game, and the Baylor Bears coming out ahead, too. Um, Because, you know, to your point, the the quarterback for Baylor, he was a redshirt freshman last year, and I I looked him up this week. He was the number one – high school baseball recruit in the state of Louisiana from the 2019 2020 season at the shortstop level. Uh, he decided That's, impressive as hell. That's an athlete right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he decided to play football. And what's interesting is, is he wasn't the starter last year for the bears. No, no. You know, the starter, he got hurt before the Texas tech game in Dallas. Um, and, uh, you know, Blake Shappen, that's his name. Blake came in, played great against Texas tech. And then, helped him beat Oklahoma state. He had 17 straight completions in that game against the Cowboys. Um, yeah. He had to win the job in the spring again. Exactly. Yeah. And then once he did that, the old quarterback, he transferred out, yeah. but um, I'm with you, Ethan, just the, the amount of talent the Baylor bears have is low key slept on in, in this mm-hmm. country. Don't forget in 2019, they were in the big 12 title game against Oklahoma. And then Matt rule decided to go to the NFL so this Baylor team is back. They're rolling. And I just – I love Dave Miranda as He's a head so coach. Good. He's so good. He's calm, cool. He's collected. That famous video last year when they made that goal line stop, he just – he didn't react. Yeah. He just went on the field to shake Gundy's hand. Um, but he's, he's just a football guy. And uh, that Baylor defense is going to get better and better each year. 
and they, they beat the hell out of Oklahoma last year. Um, and that defense, they're only going to get better. And um, when you're the best team in Texas, you know, he might not recruit the way that Sark does. But uh, one thing that he does that this Texas staff doesn't do is to de- develop his players. He's a coach. He's not he's a recruiter. A yeah, he's, he's a I coach. Mean, he, he's not a gym teacher, like Colin Coward said. He's a football coach, and he has good people around him, and he's built a great staff there in Waco. And uh, they're going to win the Big 12 again this year. And also, I'm with Ethan. I like Oklahoma State to come back to get to the title game. And, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, you know, they lost their defensive coordinator to Ohio State. Well, people are forgetting to report that they hired Derek Mason, the former Vanderbilt head coach, to be their defensive coordinator. Remember when that Stanford defense was the best defense in the country, boys? Mason was coordinating that defense. Um, and they, they, bring their, they bring their quarterback back. They're all Big 12 running back this year. Seeing them play Texas last year, they're a physical, gritty team who they, you don't want to play against because they're going to beat the hell out of you. And last year, Oklahoma State's offense, it was a down year for their offense, which isn't usually the Mike Gundy way. But you bring some receivers back. You have your quarterback come back this year. I think Oklahoma State's going to take another step going forward to be a college football playoff contender. But uh, Baylor's the class of the Big 12 right now, and I like the Bears to repeat again. Okay. And and that it's going to be interesting because I think that conference, it is, it's so big. You could almost say balanced, where the the teams they're just going to beat the shit out of each other, and it, and then also they might knock also, themselves out of the playoff because it's there. It's such a balanced conference where one team might beat Oklahoma, might beat Baylor, Baylor might beat Texas, Texas might beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma might beat Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State might lose to Texas, Oklahoma might lose to Kansas. It it's going to be just a. And then TCU, they hire Sonny Dykes. TCU's going to score a lot of points. They could upset someone this year. Yep. I mean, last year in the Big 12, Baylor's only loss was uh, against at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's loss was only lost in the regular season was at Iowa State. Oklahoma lost to both Baylor and Oklahoma State. You know, Texas went on that seven-game losing streak. But, Dylan, to your point, if they're just they're going to potentially just beat the hell out of each other. We just don't know. And that's also why I still think Texas, they're not back yet. Sorry, sorry, Sam. Hate to break it to you. If you're listening to this in Indianapolis, um, you're still a year or two away because, kind of like what I said with Ohio State, these Texas players, they need to learn that, hey, just because you're at Texas doesn't mean you're the class of the Big 12 anymore. I mean, you guys haven't won a Big 12 title since 2009. Insert Colt McCoy right there. Uh, They have the talent on the offensive end. Um, but this defense, they still need another year or two to get the right players in there and then also to learn to be football players and just not five-star recruits. So not, not, not quite this year with Texas. We'll be interesting to see, too, how they've, what they look like in the trenches because similar to what USC with Lincoln Riley, if they're able to build their trenches, they both, both teams, because we'll move over to the – it's a good segue over to the Pac-12. But... And I will say one thing on Texas – you look at their recruiting class last year, Sark and his staff, they noticed that they brought in a good amount of offensive linemen from Texas and Oklahoma, a lot of linebackers and defensive linemen. They see this as an issue. It's just now these guys are going to have to grow up. They're not 18 year old kids anymore playing against six, 17, 16 year olds. They're facing grown men 
and they're going to have they're going to have to hit the squat rack and 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 the hang cleans to become men and it might take until uh, 2023 yeah well and and the uh, college weight weight program weight room pro- program does wonders so mm-hmm. if that and if that ends up working out yeah texas texas might be back but we'll move over to the pac 12 also a very balanced conference you could say not really sure utah is the defending pac-12 champions uh put up a good fight fight against ohio state in the rose bowl and this year they did eliminate divisions so it is similar to the big 12 where it is one versus two. oh they did yep they did yep oh, I, did I, didn't know that. I didn't know that either until i was looking oh, it up hello because there oh, were a wow. few there were a few of uh, projections i was looking on that had utah versus usc in the Pac-12 championship game, and I looked up, and I kind of remember them talking about it. They do have a new commissioner this year whose name escapes me, but they are, and who knows how much longer we're going to have of the Pac-12. But but Utah returns a ton of talent. They were knocking on the playoff. They have a tough opening week matchup, matchup between, again, where they travel down to Gainesville. Billy Napier gets his first, uh, coaches his first game for the Gators. They are they are a two point favorite. Last I looked, but that's going to be a tough game because anytime you go into the swamp, that place is going to be rocking. They've got a new coach. Florida has a really good quarterback in in Richardson, and we'll see. And then the second team that I have coming out of the Pac-12 is I have Oregon. I have a rematch actually of last year. I think USC is going to be improved under Lincoln Riley, but I don't think they have the talent in the trenches to compete yet in Mario Cristobal did a really good job of recruiting in, in the trenches on the O line and D line. I think they're going to be going to be really good. there still, they're going to be improved at the quarterback position at under Bo Nix who transferred in from Auburn. And I think they, and they have good weapons on the outside. I think Utah versus Oregon. And I think it's going to be similar to the big 12 championship where Whoever wins or whoever loses the regular season matchup between Utah, Oregon is going to win the, the the Pac-12 championship game. And I have Utah repeating as Pac-12 champions. I, I'm going to stay with my pick. Um, I had Oregon coming out of the north. I thought it was still separate, but I don't think USC is going to be as good as people think anyway. So, I mean, I'll stick with them. Screw it. Why not? Uh, Oregon's always good. They have athletes everywhere. And Bo Nix, I think, is a pretty good addition for them. But uh, I'm really high on Utah, guys. Like, I mean, really freaking high. They Quarterback comes back. Best running back comes back. Five nine, of the top six receivers come back. Nine starters on offense coming back. Dude, yep. they lose From- two on five, and that's it. Everyone else is back. Yeah. Like, they're – they might have the best freaking offense in the country. Like they're going to be disgusting. So, but they're, I mean, their defense isn't bad. They lose their two linebackers, the two borderline first round picks, which will obviously be big. But um, if I was reading right, they returned some good D linemen. And then their secondary, they get it all two time FCS all American from Illinois state. It's like, they have some reinforcements coming in, but uh, yeah, I have, I have Utah winning. I have them going undefeated in the in the Pac-12, actually. Well, you know, boys, let's let's make this a clean sweep. Uh, <laughs> Utah, Oregon. Um, again, I, I I I we're sleeping on Dan Lanning. I think he's going to be a good head coach. 
there at Oregon. He can learn from what, you know, how Kirby Smart built that pro- program at Georgia. And the difference is, is I think Oregon's defense, when you look at them play last year, they were very stagnant. And, and when I say that, they're, they are very much like Iowa in their schematics. They didn't bring a lot of pressure. They didn't disguise blitzes. Um, they rushed four. They played seven in coverage. Well, Dan's going to come in and he's going he's gonna to change that. You're going to have odd fronts. You're going to have even fronts, um, mixed pressure packages. This Oregon defense is going to get after it. And they're going to pick up right where they left off in the recruiting end. And I think you guys are right. Bo Nix is an upgrade at this quarterback position, which, um, you know, Oregon, they were down these last two years after Justin Herbert left. So I think, you know, that's going to be enough because they'll have the second best quarterback in the conference. But I'm with Ethan. We were talking about this the other day in watching Utah in that Rose Bowl. People forget in that Rose Bowl, they had so many players out with COVID and other injuries. They had wide receivers playing corner. That's why Jackson Smith and Jigba did what he did. And Marvin Harrison Jr. went off 350 uh, yards. Yeah, for 350 <laughs> yards. And they still barely won. So, and then you <laughs> at 12 last year, no, sorry. USC did in terms of points per game. Utah had more yards per game. Um, Utah, I think they're going to win this conference. They have the quarterback back nine starters on offense and sure, you lose your two linebackers, but it's the Kyle Winningham special. He's going to have defenders. He's going to have a good defense. He's going to have great special teams. Um, Utah is a physical team. They're, they've gotten better and better every single year. They've been in the Pac-12 title game like three of the last four seasons. They're, they're I won. Um, you know, they lost in 18. They lost in 19. They finally won last year. I think this is the year Kyle Winningham finally gets the credit he deserves to have as a head coach. And, and I like Utah to win this with this conference. Like Ethan started this and then I got thinking and I was like, yeah, this Utah team is good. And uh, I'm excited to see him play. And this week one, that week one game, Dylan, to your point is going to be a key. I mean, how well is their conditioning? That uh, might be their title hopes right there. Like their college football yeah. playoff, like legitimately. Because if they can go down to Gainesville, I checked the weather this week, it's going to be 94 degrees. It's going to be 76% humidity. It's going to be hot. They're going to be uncomfortable. They're lucky the game's at 7 Eastern. The sun won't be out, so they won't have to deal with that Florida heat there. But it's going to be muggy. It's going to be hot. The swamp's going to be juiced up. And if they can beat this Florida team, like Ethan said, that could be their run to the title right there. Yeah. Because then they're feeling confident. And, man, they might run – through the Pac-12, like what? What does Saban say? Like shit through a tin can. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and well, yep. And, and the other part with Oregon too is, I think the biggest key for Oregon, if they want to have a shot at winning, they need Bo Nix to play like the like how we played the, play the twenty nineteen the twenty nineteen against Alabama or the twenty Alabama. because his downfall at Auburn was he just was so it was either really good Bo Nix or just lower than whale shit Bo Nix. Yeah. There, was, there was no in-between. And if they're able to get a consistent play out of Bo Nix, I wouldn't – I Oregon easily could be vying for a playoff spot or, and vying for a big, big – or Pac-12 title. I, I think USC, just the way their schedule sets up, they're, they're going to be undefeated. They, they'll probably be a top-10 team going in about midway through the season because they just don't play anybody. And we'll see if I 
I don't think they have they've built well in the trenches. And That'll be they they haven't been able Lincoln Riley hasn't done it well at Oklahoma since Bob Stoops left. So he has to change that. Well, and then when they play when they play Oregon, when they play Utah, and then also their last game it's UCLA. Chip Kelly is building from the inside out and the way that Chip runs his offense, Lincoln don't want to face that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we'll, we'll see. And, and I'm not, I don't know, Caleb Williams, he was either really, really good last year or he was really down. So we'll, we'll see how, see how he is. See if Southern California airness and smugness um, doesn't get to his head, which I hope it does. Cause I hate USC. Yeah. The Pac-12 is going to have right away be able to put the critics to shut up. If they can, if they can knock their two games out this weekend. I mean, yeah, obviously we just talked about Florida and Utah, but then you also got Oregon and Georgia. Saturday yeah. afternoon. Yeah. So they, they a, have opportunities here. Yeah, I mean, it's go time week one for this conference here. Yeah, yeah and we'll, we'll move over to the SEC. And Alabama is the defending SEC champions. Georgia's the defending national champions. And I don't see that changing a whole lot. I think the most interesting race in the SEC is who's going to be number two in the East and the West. Because Georgia, the East is still going to be a little bit down. I think Florida under Billy Napier is going to be up and coming. They still, Dan Mullen didn't leave the cupboard bare. Just kind of a, just kind of a bad fluky year for, for the Gators. Tennessee is on the up and coming. I still think they're, they're not quite rebuilt down in the trenches yet. Like Georgia is Georgia did lose a lot on defense, but they just recycled that with five-star players and Kirby smarts, not a gym teacher. He can recruit. And he's a hell of a coach. And I think they return Stetson Bennett. I think he's going to be asked to do a lot more. We'll see if he's able to handle it. And Alabama, they've got pro- – you could make an argument they probably have. I know you guys mentioned C.J. Stroud, who is extremely talented, but they might have the best player on offense in def- and defense in the country in Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Anderson's so freaking good. He's he's an he's my favorite player in college football, guys. I love watching him play. He's ridiculous. He, oh my, he's so good. And to think Kirby Smart let him go out of the state of Georgia. <laughs> what an idiot. Could you imagine if Will Anderson was on that defense last year? That no. just no stop. No. <laughs> so congrats, who are you taking? You say Bama? Yeah, I, I'm gonna Bama take Alabama. George? I think I think in the end, I think Alabama just has too much talent across the board. I don't – I trust Bryce Young more than I trust Stetson Bennett. I think Alabama, if they were – if they didn't – all their receivers didn't just get injured last year, I think Alabama is the national – defending national champion. I so, I like, I like Alabama yeah. to, to run the table in the SEC and repeat as SEC champions. Yeah, I think Georgia kind of walks through the – Whatever I can't remember, they're, they're the east, as I the east, yep. yeah. But I think they're, they're gonna walk through. There's no one in their really division that can give them a good game. I mean, Kentucky's not gonna give Georgia a great game, like let's call a spin. It's not gonna happen. Kentucky has a lot of talent, too, guys. They do, they do, but I mean, I just don't think it's enough to go up against Georgia. They lost a lot of players. Oh, they lost, okay, they, yeah, they yeah. had a lot, yeah. Uh, but the, the west is at least intriguing. I mean. Arkansas can give if I mean they can get hot. I mean Arkansas has some serious freaking talent, um, mm-hmm. and then A and M. I mean we all know. I mean it is 
Jimbo, so God knows what he's going to do. But they might have the most talent in the freaking conference, even though, even though they are freshmen. They're pups. But, uh, yeah, they're pups. Give it two years, and maybe if Jimbo's still there, they'll be good. But, um, but uh, no, Alabama's going to probably roll through that, too. Here, I'm trying to talk it up. But, no, Alabama's probably going to roll through it. And then uh, I got Alabama taking out Georgia in the championship. Well, and you – and- all of Georgia's most of their big games, they have Tennessee at home, and then they they have to go to Kentucky, but they also get Auburn at home. Oregon's at, at home quotation. Oh, yeah, oh, it, it's in Atlanta, which is a snap, a stone's throw from Athens. So, yeah, and I, maybe South Carolina could give them a game. No, at, not a chance at home no. under Shane Beamer and Spencer Rattler, no. but no. I. They no, you're not. No. But that that would like looking at the schedule is that's probably their toughest road game. Do they go to exactly? The Valley or no? They don't play LSU this year. No, nope. they don't play. Okay, well then there's that. Yep, it's over. And, Cheers for our Georgia fans. You win. You know, and Ethan, to your point, Tennessee, who has to go to Athens this year, they get Alabama at home, but they're not going to beat Alabama. Um, no. They have Florida at home, but they. Tennessee has to go to LSU. So the fact that you have to play Alabama, you have to go to LSU and you have to go to Georgia. The the East is one right there. So I'm with you. You know, your point, Georgia lost their front seven. Well, guess what? They're just going to cycle through. Um, We thought their defense in 2017 was the greatest college football's ever seen. Well, four years later, they just, they put this squad out last year. So, They'll be they'll be just fine, um, and you know the twenty twenty six team is going to be disgusting. <laughs> They're going to allow four points a game that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yet, yeah, your point, Stenson, he's he's going to do his thing. Um, he's going to learn and he's going to grow. He'll take what he did in that second half of that title game against Alabama and grow this year. Um, sure, I think they lost was it White, the running back, but and James Cook, but it's yeah. it's George. They have three or four running backs every single year. Um, just like they just recycle. It, recycle. And in Alabama, uh, I think they might win the SEC West guys by three games. It's going to be bad. With so you're the, saying that they might – they'll have it locked up. After they beat LSU. three games. So after – well, they – oh, Alabama. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were talking Georgia, but yes. No, yes. But, it, it'll be the same. It'll be the same. But all Georgia will have it. Up by Veterans Day, yeah. um, you just look at Alabama. Like, listen to this. This is just the tip of their iceberg on their roster, guys. Bryce Young, Will Anderson Jr., Jameer Gibbs, Eli Rax, uh, Jermaine Burton, which is a wide receiver nobody knows but will be a stud. Jordan Battle, Henry Tootootu, and then Dallas Turner, the other outside linebacker. That's not even counting the about their offensive line that they're bringing back because they were young last year. And Saban said last year was a rebuilding year and you were seven minutes away from the national title. What's this pissed off team going to do this year? With second they're, they're probably, receivers. Everyone who listed is probably a top two round pick. It's, it's, it, it's, it's Alabama's conference to lose. And I think Jimbo uh, wrote a check. He couldn't cash this year, October 8th. It's going to be a savaging in Tuscaloosa when Alabama plays A&M. And I'm excited for it guys. Yeah, it will be. And, well, they're, apparently they're good now. They both were just a little bit emotional and acted out of it. And he did but an also, interview with – I can't remember who it was, but 
Apparently they're good now because they're from the same area and they they sometimes testosterone takes over. And again, I kind of agree with Ethan. Um, Arkansas is going to be a good football team, and I think they might be second in the SEC. You bring back KJ Jefferson, you have the second best quarterback in that division. They got better under Sam Pittman last year. They're recruiting well. They're going to run the ball, be physical at the line of scrimmages. They're going to stop the run. Nice bowl game win last year against Penn State. And then also, they have a five-star outside linebacker who's going to be the best player in this Hawks defense last year. I can't remember his name, but he was an Alabama transfer because he couldn't get on the field because of Dallas Turner and Will Anderson Jr. And then you bring in Hazel Hood from Oklahoma, the, the four-star receiver. Oh, yeah. Your, okay. Yep. You bring him in. Uh, I think Arkansas is going to be a good team. This SEC West guys in two years is going to be so much fun to watch. Brian Kelly's yeah. going to be squad there in Louisiana. Um, if Jimbo can develop his this young roster and actually get a quarterback, he hasn't had a quarterback since Jameis Winston. Um, A&M with, with these horses, they were recruited last year. It's going to be fun in a couple of years, but this year it looks like it's Alabama's to lose. Yeah, and we'll move over to our – our playoff predictions here, and then we'll circle back and do our uh, week one. Well, I'll do my week one bets because that's that's a very important thing. I went. Well, me and Grant are going to give up our top five helmets. Yes. Because okay. I right. I'm, I uh, so go on go on with the playoffs. So, Sorry, Dylan. So yeah, playoffs first. All right, playoff teams. I have Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, Georgia. Alabama, the one seed. They're going to be undefeated going in. We're going to get a Dabo. Dabo Saban Bowl in the first semifinal. I think Alabama, they continue their road to perfection, play in their third straight national title game. And I got a rematch of last year's Orange Bowl, Michigan-Georgia. Same seeds, too. Michigan, the two seed. Georgia, the three seed. Michigan, I think they get revenge. They beat Georgia. That has been stewing with them all year. They took one step last year, beat Ohio State. Made it to the playoff. This year, they take a next step forward, and they're playing. Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban are playing for a national title. That will be a press conference for the ages. It will be. And (laughs) I think Michigan takes another step, but I don't think it's enough. I think there's too much talent on this Alabama team. I think Alabama wins the national title. That's my prediction for the year. Very basic for me. There you go. Grant, you go. I have a very unbasic one. So, Grant, you go ahead. So, uh, number one overall seed in the playoff, uh, I got the Crimson Tide. Um, like you said, they're, they're just the best team in America. They're going to be pissed off, and they're going to try to take some heads off some bodies this year. Um, and the, um, like uh, what Steen said, Vikings are strong pick. I just want to stack bodies. You're going to need body bags this year, I think, wherever the, um, Alabama goes, because they're going to knock some people around. And then, uh, like I said earlier, start of the podcast, I love C.J. Stroud in the um, next steps I think Ohio State are going to take. I think Ohio State's going to be the two seed. Uh, probably, you know, undefeated Big Ten champs with their closest game being uh, against Michigan there. And then they, then they play Iowa again in Indy, like I said. But the Bucks win the Big Ten, get the second seed. And then the three seed, I'm going with the Baylor Bears, guys. Uh, we talked about earlier the Big 12. They're going to knock each other around. They're going to beat each other up. I think that's true to an extent. But I also think teams like Georgia and AM and Clemson and Miami, all these other fringe playoff teams, 
they're going to lose a couple games that maybe they shouldn't lose in their conference just because they don't have the talent like they did last year. And that's going to open up a playoff spot for, you know, an 11 and one, or maybe even a 10 and two Baylor type team. There's going to be a year guys where we have a two loss team in the playoff. And I think that's this year because there's going to be a lot of parity. So I think they'll, they'll take a conference champ over a team who loses in their conference title game. So I like the Baylor bears as the three seed and Ethan, let's circle the wagons, bud. The Utah Utes. Again, their schedule sets up. They're going to beat Florida week one. AM's going to lose a couple of games. Georgia might lose a couple of games or maybe one in the regular season. They shouldn't lose. Utah winning that conference title will get them into the playoff. Um, so they're in the playoff. They're playing Alabama. But then it gets basic from here. We got Alabama, Ohio State rematch of the title game so at least us college football hands fans will have new teams in the playoff to watch and root for but we're coming in this year uh this table's reserved for the big boys alabama ohio state and uh the crimson tide win again and nick saban wins his what seventh national title as a head coach stupid. yes yep well i actually have the same four teams grant a little different Okay. Uh, so I'm basic. I got Alabama, Ohio State, one and two. Uh, they're going to stay like that all year. There's no reason to change it. I got Utah three and then Baylor sliding in at four. Uh, with the rematch from the Rose Bowl, Utah versus Ohio State. Hey. Jake Smith is not going for 350 this time. Utah not- moves on. Wide receivers. Utah's playing for a national title, boys. We got a all rematch right. of the o- was it 2008 Sugar Bowl. Yeah. 2000- yeah. It was the eight, right. but it was January 2009. Yep. Yeah. As much as I want, I don't want to pick Alabama versus Baylor. I don't think Baylor has the horses to go up against them. So we'll take Alabama. But we're going with the unthinkable. Utah's winning the national title this year, guys. Wow. I'm buying a goddamn shirt. Okay. You heard it here first. Ethan's buying a Utah national championship shirt. Yep. So. Big Utes guy. He's a big Salt Lake City guy. Oh, I love so I've been there twice at that airport. What a classic. Big Salt Lake City. <laughs> that's that's about as much of Utah I've been in as well, Ethan. The Salt Lake City <laughs> Airport. That's, so. that's all that matters. It is. And we've Rudy got Gobert. Rudy Gobert, a- the Wolves. Ethan is having Utah win the national title. Low, Utah's low-key becoming Ethan's second favorite state. Honestly, him and, God, Cow, him and Cowherd are going to go skiing at Park City. We're going full Mormon, guys. We're going to Utah. well we've got a long time until january week one is still here and are are there any games you guys are looking forward to this week utah 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 Utah, florida Florida. yeah also guys arkansas cincinnati yes Uh, cincinnati loses a lot arkansas brings a lot back it's going to be hot down in fayetteville uh are the bearcats ready to rebound in that humidity down there in that Arkansas sun. That, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I have, I've got a, the obviously the obvious one is Ohio state and Notre Dame. I think, yeah, Freeman. I don't know. It's the Marcus Freeman debut. I want to see how, how much improved Ohio state is as the linebacker and defensive line position under Jim Knowles. The offense is going to speak for itself. They're going to put up points. I don't know. I don't know if Notre Dame is going to have enough firepower to start off early to keep up with them. I think if anything, I think there's a chance. Uh, he played in the Wisconsin game last year. I, 
I think there's a possibility for Notre Dame to get a backdoor cover, but I don't, I wouldn't be shocked if this game is over within the first six and a half with six and a half minutes left in the first quarter with how much talent. The Notre Dame quarterback, he, he was, uh, uh, he's a a true freshman last year. He's like the sixth quarterback in that 2021 class. Um, some, some, I'll get it here. Um, but I'll, I'll, we talked about it when we were picking our conference champion winners. It's uh, Oregon, Georgia. Same. The spread is actually the same. Georgia's a 17 and a half point favorite, like Oregon is. That game is going to be the uh, preamble for Ohio State, Notre Dame on ABC. It's Dan Lanning facing his old team. Uh, we'll see Bo Nix facing a familiar team. So I also, I think we'll see, I think Oregon will come out. I think they'll come out a little bit sluggish. I expect Georgia to probably hit them in the mouth right away. And I think there's a chance for Oregon to get a backdoor cover, but I don't, I think Georgia rolls easy. And then I have Cincy, Arkansas also at one thirty on ESPN. I Arkansas is a six point favorite and since he's coming off a team that lost nine draft picks. That's just nuts. Yep. And then Arkansas returns one of the best quarterbacks, probably the second best quarterback in the SEC West for sure. He's got the second best in the conference. Yeah, I'd say second overall. He's better than Jefferson. He's better than Levin. And uh, Arkansas, they do have to replace their leading rusher outside of KJ Jefferson and their top two receivers who are both gone. But – Sam Pittman, he loves running the ball. I think that's going to be able to kind of balance out as he brings on the brings along those young receivers throughout the year. I I didn't have a pick for this game, and then I I just I don't know because I think Luke Fickle is going to have those guys those guys ready when they come down because even though they did lose a lot, I think Luke Fickle is a good enough coach where he's going to be able to replenish that talent. But I think Arkansas will win, but that's definitely a game I want to – if the Oregon-Georgia game gets ugly, I'm definitely going to be flipping to that one because I do think that one's going to come down to the wire. And then on – this is Sunday. on – Sunday night is LSU-Florida LSU, State Florida where State. Brian Kelly makes his debut as LSU head coach. Is, that, think, is it in New Orleans? Is that in the Superdome? Yes, Dome? yep, that's in the Superdome. Mike Norvell, it's a big. This is going to be a big measuring stick for Mike Norvell. I think if he's able to come and hang around and sneak out a win against LSU, look out ACC because that might mean, dare I say it, Florida State might be back. Eh. But I don't. I don't think LSU. I think LSU has a lot of talent. Their, their biggest question mark is the most important position on the field at quarterback. I don't. Quarterback. I don't trust who whoever they're throwing out. Always has been outside of Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Burrow. We didn't know Joe Burrow at all. We've been over this. We've all been over this. Joe Brady. We needed Joe Brady to know Joe Burrow. Yep. And then that title team had 15 draft picks. Incredible. (laughs) Incredible. And so, uh, NDSU, I know we've we've had – we've talked about South Dakota State today. We can't not mention our alma mater. North Dakota State plays Drake out of Iowa, and oh. all 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 NDSU is doing is just gonna give them a lobotomy. That's all we have to say about that game. 
it's not going to be close. Point favorites or some shit like that. I, I haven't even seen the line for it yet. Whatever it is, they will cover. Yeah. <laughs> it, and those, those, that's the crazy thing about NDSU is when, when they'll play these roast beef tech teams, like a non-scholarship team out of Drake, who's been okay in the Pioneer League, they still find ways to cover. Like when we went to the Baylor game at, or the Butler game, excuse Butler. Me, the field, they were 48-point favorites and they covered it. Because they yeah, ended- that was just guys. The only no. thing Drake is good for is is creating the next great pharmacist in this country, and uh, a, a basketball team in about two thousand eight. This game, it's it's going to be awful. I mean, you know how I said you're going to need some body bags in Tuscaloosa this year. You might as well just have a morgue um, <laughs> at the Fargo Dome <laughs> because it's going to be ugly. It's like when they have those freaking freezers outside hospitals during. Yeah, COVID. you might. The, point, the, Des Moines, the, the Des Moines Police Department might, might want to show up and identify some bodies. <laughs> and yeah, so week one's going to be fun. Can't wait. It kicks off Thursday. With Gophers, New Mexico State, there's Tennessee Ball State. We've got some good ones on Thursday, and I'll start with my gambling picks. And I actually have New Mexico State covering the 36-and-a-half against Minnesota. Minnesota's still going to win by 30. But in these in these openers with Minnesota, they always seem to kind of start out a little sluggish, a little slow. They play down to the level of their competition I think Jerry Kill coming back, I think that'll get them to play a bit inspired for about a quarter and a half. But in the end, I think Minnesota ends up leaning on them and they end up winning by about 30. So they get the cover, but oh, yeah. I have New Mexico they State covering. Well, like a 47 to 17 type game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm fair. hoping they don't score more than like one touchdown, but we'll see it, it it'll probably be like 14 to 10 halfway through the second quarter or something and then minnesota will take over just jump on them sure. yep and then i have going out west a team ndsu is going to play in week three they 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 are going to play san diego state who is a six point favorite i like the aztecs in this one arizona a lot of transfers a lot of question marks under second year head coach jed fish South San Diego State should have been the Pat, or the Mountain West Conference champions last year, except they were down 20 players because of COVID in the championship game where they lost to Utah State. And they also had one of the best defenses in the country. They were 12th overall in total defense this year, and they returned a ton of people. So are they, Diego, are they, is that defense coached by Brady Hoke? It is Brady Hoke, yep. 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 No he's the, well, he's the head coach. They open up a new stadium That's as well. Right. And and th- I got this line at minus six. I seen I saw this morning it jumped out already jumped out to minus ten, so I got that at some, at some really good value. Bad. Yeah, Arizona's awful. Well, and their their schedule does them no favors because they have Mississippi State the next week, and then they have NDSU. If any see a bad schedule, look at Rutgers. Well, yeah, it's my Rutgers. God. Oh my God. And then if they win three games this year, row. they'll have a parade. Oh. They might, they might challenge Nebraska for the 2021 Nebraska Cornhuskers for best three and nine team ever. If no, they're not. Games, I'll buy no, they're not. They're going to lose so many games by 20 points. It's ridiculous. It's going to be bad, Dylan. Go look at their schedule. Man, it's Rutgers. Who cares? But and we'll we'll stay with my picks. I have Ole Miss 
versus Troy. I have Ole Miss covering 21.5. Troy's coming off a 5-7 and seven season. They got a new coach. Ole Miss, I don't think it's going to matter. I think Lane Kiffin, that I don't know a bad Lane Kiffin offense. That offense is going to put up points. DJ Durkins is still the defensive coordinator. They're going to be flying around. I don't think this game is going to be close. I think the Rebels roll. And then my last pick is Kentucky minus 17 versus Miami of Ohio. Will Levins returns. They return Rodriguez, one of the best runners in the SEC. Miami, they lost a lot of defensive starters. And I think Kentucky jumps on them early and rolls again. They roll the Red Hawks. Roll the Red Hawks. Yeah. Well, Grant, let's talk about helmets. Let's roll, baby. Yeah, we'll do it. We can go every other. You want to do one? You want to get a little weird? Go every other. Well, I'll, hey, let me. I'll, I'll be in on this too. Okay, you can think of five quick. Okay, Jeez. that's fine. We'll go every. Everyone goes. So I'll go first. My fifth ranked one, the Ole Miss Baby Blues. Oh, sexy. Oh yeah. Oh, you know if they're number five, you have a good list. Um. So I'll start. I, I want to throw in an honorable mention. Um. Right here, it's the Gophers gold helmets they wore against Iowa last year Ethan that that the shiny ones? The chrome ones yeah, the chrome yeah. the white top the maroon pants wait for it guys it's just a clean look um yeah. it, it's sexy yeah. I like that a lot that's my honorable, my honorable mention real quick too yeah you say clean Alabama I just don't like them so I couldn't put them in the five that's fair um yeah. but number five for me I'm gonna go with the the, the Clemson Tigers that orange and that white look, I just, I love it. I think it's sexy. It might be my favorite uniform in, in college football. And whenever they have, you know, their championship, that championship orange, when they're wearing the all orange, the white paw just represents that helmet with the white face mask so well. So number five, the Clemson Tigers. Okay. And then that puts me. So I will go number five. I think I'll go with Miami. I'll just the classic, the U. On there, you get the smoke going like they're running out of the Orange Bowl. I know Grant doesn't like Miami, but just when you think Miami, you think swag. You think just we're gonna we're just better than you, and we know it. And I I just like that Miami look. The you you just can't beat. It. It's simple, it's clean, and it doesn't have all the extra fancy shit that some of these helmets do. I Miami at number five. All right. Well, I know we're, we're all Catholic here, but I know you guys hate this school, but uh, I'm going with Notre Dame at four. Like you mentioned, classic clean. Everyone knows the Golden Domers. I feel like it's kind of hard to leave that one out. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Ethan. I, I agree. Um, Notre Dame is on my list, but not now. Okay. Um, at, at number four, uh, Go Blue, the Michigan Wolverines. Um, again, it's, it's maybe one of the most iconic helmet, helmet on there with the wing. The maize and the blue, it's a great color scheme. I still think it's somehow underrated um, ar around this country here. So, and it, it's just, it's iconic. And I like that Harbaugh brought back the stickers on the back of their Dylan. I don't know if you do or don't, but I, do. uh, I, I like the Michigan helmet at number four. I do. I I like that. I, I didn't even mind when Brady Hoke had the numbers on because it's still, it didn't, they didn't change it at all. It, they just added to it and it didn't it wasn't like so obvious where it's like hey look at look at me look where at me. it's it, it's still it's clean it's a good clean look and i will go to number four where 
similar. We're we're pretty much the same here. Where it's we like the clean. There's not the extra things. And I'll say Texas is back. I like Texas at number four. Just the horns, the hook'em, especially when they wear that all white. You get flashbacks to the 2005 Rose Bowl. Vince Young going to mm-hmm. the corner. He's got it. R.I.P. Keith Jackson, one of the great, probably. And this might be a discussion for a later podcast of the some of the best college football announcers. He's up there. Yeah. The top top five, top three. And there's really I don't even want to have a debate of who is better because they're all incredible and they shaped our childhood. Yep. But I have Texas at four. This is kind of where I break the mold and I get away from the clean and everything. But you can call me a homer on this pick, but uh the Gophers dark maroon ones with the black M for the Ohio State game last year. I didn't wasn't a huge fan of the jerseys, but I really, really like the helmets. You know, yeah, the Gophers, they have a wide variety of helmets options. And most mm-hmm. of them are good. The one I don't like is when they have the yellow helmet and the whole gopher. gopher head. I, <laughs> that's, that's a bit much bit in oh, my uh, but the yellow helmet. You know, Ethan, now, you know, with the Gophers here, with the Maroon M, that's a good look. Yeah. I like that. Um, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten at number three and uh, Ohio State. Again, it's a traditional look. You got the gray helmet with the sparkles. When we're playing – when they're – not were. When they're playing Michigan there at the end of the year, when you have all those Buckeye stickers on both sides of the helmet, I just – I think it's a great look. You think of all the f- superstars they've had wear that helmet before – a lot of memories that shape, shaped our childhood. So Ohio State, just a classic clean look at number three. And then I have num- at number three, I have Florida State the Seminoles. Mm-hmm. Just the, the arrowhead. Also, just just a clean look. I like that they have the stickers in the back. And when they're, especially their newer ones, the ones that they wore when they won the national championship, those jerseys were atrocious and needed an upgrade i'm glad they finally yes upgraded but i have florida state at number three all right i'm up i guess i can go space there for a second um we're gonna go with oregon we're gonna do the apple green with the yellow o so the brighter brighter green not the darker green not the yeah with the, yep. with the wings yeah no not the wings just straight green okay it just it pops. It's the one that pops the most to me. I don't like the wings one. That's just a little too much. Okay. But this apple green one with the yellow O just screams beauty. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to circle back. And, Ethan, we agree here again on this one. that I have them a little higher, but Notre Dame, again, yeah. not a fighting Irish guy at all. But you just nope. see that shiny gold helmet. Um, it just reeks of college football tradition. Um, it, it's just a look, you see that and you're like, you know, this is a big game going on. You know, Notre Dame's going to lose that big game because it's what they do, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just, it's just a good look. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's college football tra- tradition and history. And when you go to my list here, it, it's a lot of old school, um, traditionalist helmets, which are just all clean and sexy, and they represent a program and a region very well. I'm not saying you're predictable, but I kind of knew that was the way you were going to go. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I have that number two. I have Notre Dame as well. 
just it, it it's college football. Anytime you see the Golden Dome, you know there's going to be a big game on. Like Grant said, they're probably going to lose mm-hmm. unless Trevor Lawrence is out with COVID, even though he was there and was on the sideline. But whatever. And, DJ threw 400 yards, but let's celebrate like we just. <laughs> yeah. Well, they who got the last lap that that year, but just the clean look, Gold Dome, always awesome when Michigan and them play because Michigan usually kicks their ass. Mm-hmm. To quote Paul Allen, it's college football immortality. Yes. Notre Dame. Yes. Uh, number one, I'm going out there a little bit with this one. You guys would never guess it, but uh, the Florida helmet that's white with gators on one side, the F on the other. Oh, yeah. That is a nice Fantastic one. helmet. Like, I love it. You know, Florida, they didn't crack my list, but their uniforms and their helmets are so simple. They're, yep. They just they get it right with the, the orange, with the cursive gators on there. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. But I'm going to stay in the state of Florida, but we're going to go up to the, uh, the state capital city, Tallahassee, Florida State. Like, like Dylan said, these new uniforms are just awesome. They revamped the logo, the gold helmet, the spear on there. When you see Dope Campbell Stadium doing the chop, um, it just it almost sends goosebumps down my back how how awesome that is. And I, I think I've said this for years, guys. I think I've told you this before, but the Florida State helmet will always be number one in my eyes. And it doesn't get any better than that. I have one thing to say. Seneca was in, and I swear to I'll die, I'll take that <laughs> to the grave. Was in, I was there, it was the end zone in front of me. Seneca was in, and the Florida State fans know it too. And that's Something in reference to an early 2000s game at Arrowhead, I believe, right? When Eddie Iowa Brown. State was playing. Kickoff classic, Iowa State versus Florida State. What a okay. game. And then my number one, it's obvious, it's the Michigan Wolverines. The winged helmet, running out, touching that banner, sell, holding up a Big Ten trophy. Last year against Ohio State, the snow falling, them pounding Ohio State, pounding them, pounding them, pounding them. Making them look like a bunch of little girls, college football <laughs> immortality, and Ethan, we'll kick it over to you for curveball of the week. So I got a, I got a little bit of a would you rather. Oh God. <laughs> oh God, that's excellent. That bad. Uh, would you rather have someone have to listen to someone chewing gum in your ear for 24 hours, or listen to a baby screaming bloody murder for four? Give me the gum. Give me the chewing gum. I can't. I can't do it with kids, guys. Kids stress me out. It's loud. It's nonstop. They think the world is going to end, and for their eyes and their sake, the world may end. I mean, they might be telling us, "Hey, dude, I'm hungry. I got to eat. I got a diaper change. I got some potentially going on bad down here." Kids stress me out. My blood pressure rises. As awful as it would be to have to listen to chew um, uh, bubble gum, you know, the old baseball, the pink style in my ear for 24 hours, oh. it would be annoying and I would hate it. But my blood pressure wouldn't rise the way it is when I hear kids scream. Uh, it just, kids, it's, they, kids scare me. They give, they just, they send chills down my back with anything and everything can go wrong. So give me the bubble gum. Oh, uh-huh. 
You see, I'm I I don't even chew gum. I I just hate it. I don't know why, but it's partially <laughs> because I've I've been around so many people that just chomp like freaking cows all the time. Like going in a car ride with people, and like my entire family chews gum, and it. <laughs> yep. And it's just loud and it's annoying, and it it just bothers the hell out of me. It's just. Just shut up. Learn to chew with your mouth closed. I don't need to hear you. <laughs> and oh, it, it's like one of my like pet peeves, like one of the most like like top five, probably top five, top two. And it's not two pet peeves of things. Is people just <laughs> chomping their gum like they're a freaking cow. And then also though, babies. Screaming bloody murder does not sound fun either. But I also just had to deal with that when I went to church on Sunday where there was like four different kids in each direction of the church screaming bloody murder. I'm just so excited to be with Jesus. And I, I got through it. And I got, and I know you guys do too, but I, I have a good handful of friends that are parents now. And they say that back to what Grant said is like, I just wish I could figure out why my kid is crying so I could fix it rather than just screaming, crying. And I have no idea because they're not able to use their words yet. Well, and, and you're sitting back like this. Okay. I just fed the kid. The kid just threw up all over me. So it's got a full stomach. It just burped up everything. I just changed the diaper. It gave, I gave it a bath. What else does this thing want? Well, obviously just doesn't I don't like you. know. It just, they stress me out. And with how high pitched those screams are and how they don't stop. And it seems like it gets louder and louder and louder by the minute. Oh, it just, I'm getting stressed out right now thinking about this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> what made me think of this was at the gym today. And like, there was a guy next to me on the bench and he's just chomping, chomping, chomping away. And I was like, do I just accidentally drop this fucking 45 pound weight on his foot? Yes. Do it I'm without question. Die. Yep. And and like, he might spit his gum out. What's the next worst thing? Like, I was like, it's a baby screaming. So I didn't know this until about an hour before the podcast. So, um, but I'm going to go with the screaming baby. I just, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with grass. I can't do the goddamn chewing. It's like my brother did it growing up all the time. And I, I've contemplated murdering him as a kid. I mean, it happened. So I mean, you like, almost want to stick it. your fingers in his mouth and grip it out, and that's even yeah, just, it's just as disgusting. But it's like a couple of seconds of pain is worth worth not hearing you be a cow. It's just awful. And, well, it, it this is funny that you mentioned this because there used to be a guy when I'd go at nights to the gym, which I don't really go to the gym much at all anymore. But that's got that marathon coming up. They're gonna run for that marathon, bro. Yeah, I got time. <laughs> I got time. No, um, and, but yeah, with football season coming up, I know how much running you're going to be doing. Uh, zero. <laughs> exactly. I got time. And no, you don't. Yeah, I do. It's not till, it's not till May. I got plenty of time. Yeah. You say that now, and if everybody's going to come around, you're going to be like, oh shit, I got three months to run 26.2 miles. Yeah. Well, I'll worry. I'll work. No, I only have 13.1. It's a half marathon. Oh, oh, yeah, it's only thirteen point one, but I'm, I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be the guy that's gonna brag about running a half a marathon because I'm also as these are Grant's words, they're not mine. The humblest guy he knows. And, yeah, okay. 
<laughs> and uh, but there there was a guy at this gym, and I would listen, have my headphones on, and I could he chomped so loud, I could hear him over my music. I canceled my gym membership. Well, I was working there, so it was it was free at that time, anyways. So oh, I didn't have to worry about. <laughs> I love operations manager, sir. Why do you want to cancel today? Some mouth breather around here is chewing his gum all the time, and I hear it through my music, and I can't focus on my workout. I gotta go. burn the place down. The worst thing too is, I, I'd go sit in the sauna, and then he would come in like ten minutes later, and it would just be even louder because half the time you'd go, it'd be full, and there'd be like one open spot. And it always happened to be by me. And he just. How can you sit in a sauna for 10 minutes? Because I'm tough. Dude, I did it for 15 minutes a day and I felt like I was going to die, but it was awesome. Yeah, I did it for seven and I was like, this is good for now. You got to start somewhere. But week one kicks off Thursday. We'll be back to recap it all. But until then, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, we're back. Week one in college football has finally arrived, and the NFL will be following shortly. Next week, we will be going to two episodes per week, one on Tuesday and one Thursday. Tuesday, we will recap the weekend that was in college and the NFL, and on Thursday, we will preview the upcoming weekend of games. Check us out on all of our social media platforms where we will be posting other content. Check out the Three Guys Talking Ball Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at 3 g tb podcast where we will also be posting short clips of the show and other content you can also check out our three guys talking about youtube page where we will be posting the full podcast if you want to see the video version that wraps up this week's episode of the three guys talking about podcast thank you for listening and we'll see you next week